Hello listeners. September is National Childhood Cancer Awareness Month. Join us at Relay FM in supporting St. Jude Children's Research Hospital. Learn more and donate now at 512pixels.net slash September. Hello and welcome to episode 2 of Upgrade on Relay FM. This episode of Upgrade is brought to you by Igloo, an internet you'll actually like, and Text Expander from Smile. Type more with less effort. My name is Mike Hurley, and I'm joined by your host, Mr. Jason Snell. Hello, Mike. We're back. We are back. And they, you... they didn't shut us down after one episode. <laughs> I, I'm friendly with the guy who controls the, 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 the network, so, mm. so I, I convinced him to let us keep it going. Good, good. Great. Excellent. We had a really great feedback for episode one. And, I, and so thank you to everyone. Uh, that was very nice to us. And we're back for another episode of Upgrade. Yeah. And uh, probably the thing that is going to make Jason more happy than anything else on the planet <laughs> <laughs> is the fact that he ha- that we can do follow-up on this show. Yep. And our Google document, um, about two-thirds of it is follow-up. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, we just admit it. it. You know, Accidental Tech Podcast has follow up for like ninety percent of their running time. But we might as well just admit it up front. There's a lot of follow up. I'm very excited that we have so much follow up because I've never really done podcasts with follow up before. And we got comments, which means we have things we can follow up on. Because that was the big question last week: was would anybody say anything, or would there literally be no follow up other than to remind people that there was there could be follow up? <laughs> before we start the officially ordained follow up. There was one piece of there was one correction that I would like to make from last week's show. All right, um, and it's correcting you if that's okay. Yes, you're fired. <laughs> <laughs> I'll get my coat in a moment. Uh, one one question that I had for you was about if the the screen was curved on the iPhones. Oh yeah, and well, the screen the screen's not the glasses. I think my my question was poorly phrased. Um, it's it, and what I was asking was because they mentioned in the keynote about the corners, like the the edges of the phones, being yes. like they are sort of smoothed down to, right. so they kind of curve right, around the, a little bit. But that's not the screen, right? That's the glass exactly. in front of the screen. So it was it was uh, you know I'll I'll take it. I I didn't. Um, I was reading it and also thinking about Apple Watch uh, in a different way. But yeah, that's actually one of the things that makes it feel so nice is that the screen isn't just a flat slab and then there are edges or it it doesn't go into like a ring. It just curves down. And then, uh, and it makes it. I, I, that's one of my favorite features, actually, of the of the phones. Now that I've been using them for a week, is they're really uh, that curve really makes them more, much more comfortable to hold. Death to the chamfer, huh? Yeah, death to the chamfer. Well, I'm glad we learned a word, though. We increased our word power by learning that word, <laughs> and now we will store it away for and future use. Never ever use it again. Ever, no, ever ever. No, I, I, there is another uh, correction that we should do, which is um, I mentioned reachability. It revealed a black void at the top of the screen. It's actually not a black void. I, I complained that it didn't have your your picture behind, like a fuzzed version of your of your uh, backdrop, your wallpaper. It actually does, um, but it's really like darker and fuzzed out so much that it's almost unrecognizable. But it isn't just a black void. It's more like a um, a dark uh wallpapery void but it's um it's not like you just if you've got a picture of of uh your friends at the top of your wallpaper it's not like they 
peek through when you do reachability. It's sort of like you can see through the haze. Like I would see like uh, I could see sort of the corner of a mountain from the from the picture, but just barely. So it's it's definitely not meant to be anything but like a very subtle reference to what's in your on your backdrop um, in reachability. But it's not a complete black void. It's either. It's almost so hard to see that they may as well have not done it. Yeah, I, I don't understand. I mean, I guess they didn't want to distract, but uh, I, w- I feel like it's a weird thing that they should either have embraced the fact that you get to peek through and see your... That's the metaphor of iOS 7 and 8 is uh, everything sort of translucent and you can see down through the stack. And so you should either make it viewable or you should just not even bother. But instead, it's this very... It's a very subtle, very subtle, but it is there. And I said that it was just a total black void. It is not. Total it's space gray. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Ding. <Yeah. laughs> so this is a weird piece of follow-up, uh, but it's a piece of follow-up <laughs> that I would like to address. Um, so on last week's episode, I creeped some people out by talking about the fact that I had really long fingers uh, and how I thought uh-huh. that it would be okay for me to get a, uh, a, a plus. And yep. There was a, whilst away in, in Italia last week, uh, my lady friend took a picture of me using my iPhone. And I had many people <laughs> comment uh, on the tweet, and I've put it in our show notes, which are at uh, relay.fm slash upgrade slash two. If you want to see a picture of my hands, it, it's, you're free to do that. Many people commented on the fact that my fingers were very long. Uh, mm-hmm. Jason, I don't know if you've seen this picture. I don't know if I, you have an official uh, view or feeling on the well, size of my hands. I, I was confused to see you without glasses. That confused me a little bit. Yeah. Um, I also was confused to see you... Um, comfortable and outdoors that was different <laughs> and um and uh, yes your fingers seem very long i i my fingers i think are long but they're not nearly as long as yours um i think i believe my toes are very long but that rarely comes up in a technological context so. we are venturing into some very interesting yeah. areas interesting is a strong word for it <laughs> you published a very interesting article uh, mm-hmm. On on your not your website, not on my website. No, on the Verge, I think uh, is where that one is. What you're talking about, right? Yeah. What what was that about? Well, you know, Neil A. Patel is a uh, an acquaintance. Um, I, I we've exchanged emails and and text messages and just you know we're friendly. And he's the editor in chief of the Verge. I've always liked Neil A. And um, and he sent me an email last week saying. Um, would you like to write a quick thing? We we want to scan in all these old uh, MacWorld covers because he's he's um, he's old enough that he, as a kid, grew up reading computer magazines and MacWorld in particular, and and what I which is what I did, although I didn't really come to it until sort of in high school, but. Um, the pouring over back before there were tech websites. I mean, the only way to get this information was to get a magazine and just pour over every detail, every page. There are articles that I would read like 30 or 40 times when I was buying my first power book. Uh, every detail, like what does that mean? Parsing sentences. Does this mean this feature? Probably means that article could have been written better actually in hindsight if I, I was that confused. But, you know, it was a it was a big thing culturally before um all this stuff was on the web. That was the only connection that you had if you loved computers and technology. And so they were going to scan in a bunch of old Macworld uh, covers and they wanted me to write something, you know, short, 300 words or something like that about it. So I, I, wrote, a, I wrote a quick thing actually on, on the plane because I was, I was going to and from the Portland uh, 
the the weekend after this all happened to go to the XOXO festival. And I just wrote a quick thing and sent it to them. And, and uh, then they posted it uh, right about when my site launched, which was very nice of them because they linked to it prominently in the header. And I got a lot of traffic from The Verge. But um, it was nice. It was just a little... I'm trying to say farewell to Macworld as a, as a print magazine, which um, certainly I have a long history with. And although I have not been thinking about it as a print magazine very much lately because we've been focused on the website and I've been focused on other sites at IDG for a long time, uh, it was a nice sort of Viking funeral for, for Macworld in print and, uh, and, to, and the idea of computer magazines, which was once a really big thing and is now no longer necessary. We kind of didn't really address it last week, um, but it, it's very it's very sad that the magazine has gone away. Yeah, it, it's it, it is, and yet at the same time, it's it, it isn't what it used to be. It doesn't. I'm, I I actually think the quality of it is has been quite good um, and has has kept up over the years. I mean, it's never it doesn't have a fraction of the staff. Even when I was still there, it didn't have a fraction of the staff it did when I started. And even that was a much smaller staff than they used to have. But I think the quality was good. Um, but it, it's not it's not um, it's not really necessary anymore but that doesn't change the fact that you know this is a thing that had been in existence for the life of the mac it's been printing for 30 years and uh you know and so on that level it's it's sad but time you know time moves on that's 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 what happens it was just like i know a lot of people have said this but um i remember when when stephen hackett was um he had a i think it was the back page yeah and uh i just remember his excitement and like how excited i was for him well uh, print gives you tangibility that uh those of us who work on the web don't get and that often that works very well with our parents and grandparents and other relatives where suddenly the fact that you've been doing things on the internet has a manifestation that they can understand you know they can understand oh wow you are important enough or knowledgeable enough that somebody with a printing press took your picture and put it on their back page with your words that's a seal of approval that for people who grew up before the internet era you know this internet stuff there's no seal they don't know whether this is all made up and fake <laughs> or whether it's really like a, a real thing and so for them what a huge stamp it is to have you be on you know dead tree <laughs> in ink that's a bit that's a real signifier of quality and i can't tell you how many writers over the years we used i mentioned this in the verge article um who were web writers that we would we would find and say we like your stuff why don't we publish you in the magazine and they're like that's cool and they would always say my you know my mom went out and bought a copy my grandma went out and bought a copy they bought 10 copies and sent it to all the relatives uh, that was a, a very common phenomenon what else do we have Oh, let's see more follow up. Yeah, that's right. We're still doing follow up. It's very exciting. Um, <laughs> so, uh, uh, the common bond in a lot of the follow up this week was about our conversation about the phone sizes because we talked a lot about the iPhone six and the iPhone six plus, and we talked a little bit about the fact that the five C and five S are still there. And this was a common thread: is the question if Apple is Apple going to abandon that four inch phone size? Is the, because the I've heard a lot of people say, well, you know, Apple doesn't make you know, this phone. They've abandoned this size. It's not really true. The 5C and 5S are still out there. The new phones are bigger. But um, I think when people assume that that's the end of the line for the smaller phones, it could be. I am skeptical. I think Apple 
Um, I think there's a good chance Apple is going to keep something around in that size for a while and perhaps even forever. Just because it didn't get updated this year doesn't mean that in a year or two there will be something, whether it's called the 5 or whether it's called like the 6C for compact or smaller or something like that, that is uh, on par or close to on par with these bigger phones, but is in that smaller, a smaller size that, that like the like the 5 series. And so we got some feedback about that. Um, listener Phil uh, wrote in to say that there were uh, the Plus felt way too big to use. He was planning on getting the 6 himself, but if there were a hardware-upgraded 5S, he might be tempted to stick with that. And uh, Listener Shep wrote in to say, I think a small functional iPhone Nano is possible if the technology behind the Apple Watch can be made affordably and in larger sizes. He had an interesting idea uh, that there's actually a patent, an Apple patent about that is uh, making, uh, eliminating the physical home button and in instead making sort of a virtual but- button that would you reduce the size even more while still keeping the screen at the same size, which is an interesting idea. But definitely, you know, I heard a lot of women on Twitter, uh, uh, Brianna Wu was going on about this, like, these phones are too big for them. They don't fit in their pockets. They don't like it. They like the 5. Um, and, you know, I don't think the release of the 6 and the 6 Plus is Apple saying, you people who like the 5, we, you know, forget it. We're never going to serve you again. You could assume that because they didn't do a new 5 this time. But I don't know. I, I There is nothing stopping them from uh, continuing to have a, a, a phone that size in their product line. They just didn't update it this year. I've been thinking about this a little bit too myself and i don't think they did what we expected them to do which was to take the 5s and put it in a plastic shell right they right. just the 5c is still the 5c which is you know two years ago's model now in, in a plastic shell and then the 5s is then just the 5S. the 5s yeah so um but i i've also been thinking quite a bit about this and i think that i i wonder if apple would be willing to do it like you're looking at you know, look at the sales numbers. You know we had the first sales numbers of 10 million, you know, sold over opening weekend um, of the new iPhone sure. six and six plus. And I wonder, you know, if if in a I don't know, it would be like four years maybe before the five S would be bumped out. Potentially something like if you look at the the fact we've just got rid of the four S. How old is the four S? Oh, the four S is well, if the five is. If the 5 is 2 years old, the 4S is 3 years old. So maybe in about three years' time is when we're going to get the answer to that question. Maybe. Maybe. I mean, there's the work that goes into integrating the 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 innards of the phone into a into a smaller thing. I mean, presumably they would at some point want to increase the, improve the industrial design, make it more curvy and, and less like the 5 is now because that's the old design language and they moved on to this new, new look and feel. But I think there's nothing stopping them from doing that. I think... You know, Apple's got a lot behind the scenes. Apple does a lot of market research. They've got a lot of numbers. They know in what regions, at what rate, uh, the uh, you know large size phones sell. That was one of the reasons that they made the six plus is to go into regions, especially like Asia, where those phones are very popular. They know what phones sell and at what sizes. So. 
Apple probably knows the answer to this already uh, about what the difference is between the iPhone 5 sized market and the iPhone 6 sized market. And they may have already decided, well, it's not a big enough market for us to worry about it. I think it's just as likely that they said, look, the 6 is our flagship. That is going to be the size that most people want. Some people are going to want a bigger phone. Some people are going to want a smaller phone. And we will serve those markets too. And if it's worth if, if it's worth it for them to make a phone that's a little bit smaller, they will. They just don't need to do it right now because the 5S is a perfectly good phone. It's got Touch ID. It doesn't have the NFC stuff for Apple Pay, but it's a it's a one-year-old phone. Um, there was a huge leap in performance between the 5 and the 5S. So the 5S is is solid in a way that, you know, the, that free 5C is a perfectly fine phone too, but it, it, you know the 5S is that much faster. So I don't know. They didn't need to change it now. I think the question is going to be in a year or two. Do they just say forget it if you want a smaller phone? I just I don't. They, they've done the market research, so they probably know. But I I would be surprised actually. I would probably put a very modest bet that there will on the fact that there will always be um, a smaller phone in the line. That they don't want to turn their back on people. Who, uh, who refuse that. But they may know different. They may think, yeah, people are complaining, but they'll all get used to it, and then there'll be no market for a smaller phone. That may be. Um, they, they're they the ones that have lots of, uh, you know, I, Apple does a lot of uh, research. <laughs> they, they don't make these moves uh, entirely on gut feel. They have an idea of how consumers are, are seeing this, this product line. But from Twitter, it seems like there is a market. Twitter, not a great research tool, but it seems like there is a market for a smaller phone uh, out there that uh, maybe Apple will maintain in the future. Um, was it? I, th- I think it may have been John Gruber's review where they he spoke about, or I read it in somebody's review about the fact that there'll probably never be an iPhone bigger than this because they they were like testing sizes in increments. Right. Like uh, yeah, he said like every every uh, tenth of an inch or something yeah. like that. So yeah, here we go. I've I've got the quote here. Um. My understanding, talking to people at the event last week, is that Apple's industrial design team mocked up prototypes of every single size between 4.0 and 6.0 inches in tenths of an inch increments. And from those 20 sizes selected, the two that hit the best sweet spots for the regular iPhone and ginormous iPhone. So we might never, uh, sorry, we might never see new iPhone sizes again, or at least not bigger ones. Now, keeping in mind, I mean, he's talking to people who are working on the hardware design. Um, but like I said, uh, this is also informed by research. This is also informed by um, who's buying what, at least on a gross scale, right? They know people are buying big phones, so they wanted to make a big phone, and then they figured out what the right size was for their big phone. Um, and the small, I think it works on the small side too. I don't know what they're thinking internally at Apple, obviously, about this. Do they think the 6 is enough? Um, but but yeah, the 6 Plus is, is big. And above a certain point, yeah, they probably would rather you just buy an iPad. But uh, markets change too. People, you know, if Samsung or somebody else comes out with something that's crazy that uh, everybody looks at and thinks, well, that you know, that'll never sell, and it surprisingly sells, then everybody will take stock, and they'll. they'll I, I think that's what happened with the Note. Is you see, this is the difference between Apple and Samsung. Apple mocks up every size in tenth of an inch increments and <laughs> and and holds it in their hands, you know, internally at Apple. Samsung just releases every phone in every size and sees what sells. I uh, wonder which is what the crazy. right the right option is in that scenario, though, right? Because Samsung well, found their winner. Yeah, yeah, and they well, may no, have never found it. Yes, exactly right. And and, and Apple, 
didn't, you know, Apple wasn't a believer in that, I think, uh, in that in that large phone size. And they, they learned a lesson. No, there, there's advantages to doing what Samsung does because they're doing market research in the market. I think, I think Apple, um, I mean, part of it is I think Apple can't make that many products. I think, I think Apple's attention to quality and detail is such that they really need to focus and they're not that huge a company. They need to focus on a few products and make them really, really good. And Samsung has the ability and especially Samsung with the Android interface being scalable that, you know, it wasn't a lot of extra work to make all those different models. Whereas Apple has had to spend two years laying the groundwork to make these different phone sizes because they were locked into that sort of one X, two X, uh, mode for their developers. So, um, you know, it was, in some ways it was easier for Samsung to do it. Um, because Samsung's playing Samsung's game and Apple's playing Apple's game, but the, you know, Samsung got an advantage because they threw lots of spaghetti against the wall and something stuck. And it was, it was the, the note, especially that, that surprised everybody. So we still have quite a bit more follow-up. Um, but I want to take a quick break to thank our first sponsor for this week's episode, and that is the fine folks over at Smile. And today, I want to talk a little bit about Text Expander Touch. Text Expander Touch is an app that saves you time and effort by expanding short abbreviations into frequently used text on your iOS devices. Whether it's something simple, like a frequently used address, an email signature, several paragraphs of a standard response, or maybe a frequently used email address that you use, you'll love how easy it is to use Text Expander to avoid typing the same thing over and over and over again. You can sync all of your snippets with Text Expander on the Mac via Dropbox, meaning that all of your snippets are going to stay in sync across all of your devices. You can access your Text Expander snippets inside Smile's iOS app, Text Expander Touch, or you can enable Text Expander in the 60 plus apps in this app store that have integrated snippets. So these are apps like some of my favorites like OmniFocus, Fantastical, Day One, Drafts, Launch Center Pro, and so many more. But this is the really cool thing. This is the new thing. And we spoke about this uh, last week, but now it's here. With the new Text Expander Touch 3 on iOS, there's now a new Text Expander custom keyboard so that you can expand abbreviations in all of your iOS apps on iPhone, iPad, or iPod Touch. So now, even if you have an app that isn't one of the 60 plus that support snippets directly, um, you can now still get the great time and hassle-saving benefits of Text Expander everywhere because of this custom keyboard that they've made. This is something that simply could not be done before iOS 8, and a new Text Expander keyboard has quickly become one of my favorite new features of iOS 8. I'm able to just jump in and I'm able to trigger off little things like I have uh, shipping addresses and stuff like that that I have Text Expander snippets for, and Rather than having to type all of that out, I can just use the text command keyboard and I can trigger them everywhere. I want to make something very clear for a moment. So Apple have a limitation, not a limitation, it's like a, it's a security setting that they've enabled. So you have to kind of say, I want to give keyboards full access. Um, and this can typically means like connecting to the internet for whatever reason this that they may, it may need to like apps like SwiftKey they go out to the internet for suggestions and things like that now the text expander requires text expander keyboard requires you to give this but it's only so you can share snippet data with the main text expander app and also play the awesome bloop sounds that you're used to hearing when you expand <laughs> a snippet um, so that they need it so they can connect the two apps together so you can get the snippets now 
Smile wanted me to bring this up because they've had some feedback from their customers. And so something that they've done, that they had done anyway, is they published an update to their privacy policy on their website, which you can check out if you want. And it outlines exactly what they need this access for. But it's effectively just so it can get the access to the snippets that you want. I love this keyboard. It's made a real improvement to my work on iOS. And I love how they use the lowercase and uppercase lettering on the keyboard. So you don't have to keep second guessing that shift key. So go right now to the App Store and grab the new Text Expander Touch 3 and start saving time today. Thank you so much to Text Expander and Smile, of course, for their sponsoring of Upgrade and Relay FM. Yeah, one of the funny things about this update is there were apps that supported Text Expander, but it was a lot of work for the third-party apps. And then you'd get to an Apple app and there was no support for it because Apple didn't wasn't paying attention, didn't care, wasn't going to work on that. And now with this keyboard, it's everywhere. It's literally everywhere you get that keyboard, you can use the text expander shortcuts. In notes, in mail, in Safari, wherever. I love using it in mail. Yeah. Yeah. Big fan. So, Mr. Snell, back to your beloved (laughs) follow-up. Oh, (laughs) follow-up. Yeah, well, you know, episode one, there's going to be a lot of follow-up. Um. Listener Bonnie wrote in to say to say uh, uh, that she ordered the iPhone 6 Plus for her 84-year-old mother. This is something that we mentioned last week. Um, uh, she's moving up from an iPhone 4, but uh, Bonnie says, from because of her failing eyesight, I've had to have the text on her old phone expanded so large she actually used a magnifying glass on her phone. And with the new 6 Plus... Um, They'll have the uh, they'll have the, the the display zoom turned on, so everything will be bigger, and then she'll also have an easier time finding the phone because it's just <laughs> that much larger. And I thought that was an interesting real world example of how the, I've I've heard this in the past that people want, you know, you have two choices when you make a screen bigger. You can either make it show more or just make everything scale up and be bigger. The bigger it gets, like uh, I don't know if you remember the um, for a while Apple was making the iBook in eleven and thirteen inches and um or 12 and 14 inches something like that it was two sizes but the screens were the same size so literally it was just on the bigger laptop everything looked bigger there's the same resolution just a different size so you could get small print or large print ibook and uh, this is a little bit like that so um nice so 84 year old mom getting a an iphone 6 plus mike your phone is the choice of the octogenarians just like me huh mm-hmm you're very much like an 84-year-old mother. I'm an octogenarian at heart. <laughs> That's right. Damn kids. <laughs> Get off my lawn. Um, a listener, Russ, wrote in uh, asking, people were asking about the speaker, and the the 6 Plus definitely seems to have a little bit louder speaker. Um, we talked about speakers last, last time, mm-hmm. and uh, his suggestion, which is an interesting one, is that maybe Apple doesn't care too much about the speakers because uh, they know that people are using this with Bluetooth and docks and things like that and, and doesn't really prioritize the, the, the speaker, which is, which is true. So that may be why you're not getting as much uh, satisfaction out of, uh, out of your, your speaker on your iPhone. Have you tried the, the speaker on the, new, on the new phone yet? I've had it for like an hour, which mm. I'm going to mention in a bit. So I, I haven't got to dig in too much. But I have seen people on, on Twitter saying that it, to them it sounds better or louder. It is so, louder. It is noticeably louder than the 6 or the 5. And to be honest, I mean, for me, and, and one of the reasons I asked, it wasn't so much that I needed it to have more accurate sound reproduction, you know, for my audio file music. Um, but, you just want to hear podcasts while you're cooking. Exactly. Right? I want to hear it over things. 
yeah. and said that, you know, if it's louder, that's great. Uh, I did not expect the vibrate motor to be so dramatic. Hmm. It's powerful. <laughs> <laughs> well, you get that big phone, you got room for a nice, powerful uh, vibration from the motor. There was something that I wanted to ask you from an mm-hmm. article that, that I read on your lovely website, which we're going to talk about in a bit, sixcolors.com. Uh, and it was about the you you wrote about the Apple Watch edition, right? So the right. potentially two million dollar watch. Uh, in- I I should have charged everybody a thousand dollars to read that article because it was it's article edition. But there was one thing that you mentioned in it that I hadn't seen anywhere else, um, which is the box that the edition comes in. <laughs> yep. Can you just just for anybody that hasn't read it or just to recap? It has, what am it, I referring to? It just got lost in the shuffle. Some people wrote about it. I actually did a search because I didn't see it anywhere either. And David Pogue mentioned it. Anybody who got a briefing uh, after the event got got a chance to see it. And a few people wrote about it. But I think it got lost in the shuffle of the event. And the idea is that if you buy the Apple Watch edition, it's unclear exactly what you get. I think I recall, but I don't have it in my notes, that they said that you actually get multiple um, multiple uh, bands when you buy the edition, which uh, again, I'm not 100% sure on that. But again, you're paying so much, we don't know how much for this, that they really wanted to load it up with features. And one of the things is it comes in a box. It comes in a leather box. So that's fancy, right? And it's just like a, any watch, you get a fancy watch box. It's part of the luxury watch experience. The difference here is that when you open the top, when you take the top of the box off, the base of the box, the bottom part, has the a magnetic sort of stand where the watch attaches. It's um, it's a MagSafe uh, induction charger for the watch. And on the back of the box is a little slot that is a lightning slot and you can slot a lightning cable in there and plug it in. And now your leather Apple watch edition box is a dock that you can put by your bedside or out by your hot tub or on your helipad or (laughs) in your Island, uh, Island uh, retreat or wherever you'd like. And uh, you can charge it right there at the end of the day. So it's, it's not just a case. It's not just a box. It's a leather charger box. So you're not like threading the cable through this. It's like built in to it. It's oh, the electronics are built in. So you you plug a, a, one of those little white lightning cables into the little slot on the back of the box, and that's it. And then and then you click. You know, you put the the the, the watch on the on the magnetic charging thingy, and it charges. Because so this like watch boxes are a thing in high end watches, right? So it this shows that they are paying attention to it. I've been thinking a lot about this because I, like many people, had not considered the price of of right. the watch edition. It's too much. I, a lot of us are like, well, it's going to cost too much. And who thought? I didn't think much more than that. Like, it'll be a lot. It'll, like I said to John Syracuse on Twitter, you know, how much you got. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's all of that. It'll ta- we'll take it all. All your assets. There's so many questions. Yeah. Like, well, that's that's part of Apple's uh, plan here. One, they don't know the answers to a lot of these questions. And two, they're going to have to roll this product out next year, and they want to save some mystery. So some of it is mystery, and some of it is they don't know yet what they're going to what they're going to say. But this, it is fascinating. They are piling on. I got the feeling when I when I was looking at it, they're piling on the luxury features that it's solid gold and it is definitely heavier than the other watches because it is gold. Um, 
it's uh yeah it's impressive they they're they're loading a lot of luxury features into this this isn't just a you know you get it in the same plastic box you get it in the special leather box with the charger built in what are your thoughts about the one year shelf life potentially you know if if we look at this like all of <sighs> yeah. our other apple devices i i i mean that that's a um it's a great question i i I was listening actually to a accidental tech podcast the other day and they were talking about this too. And it was, you know, the idea of planned obsolescence that after a year or two, this is going to be old crappy hardware and you just spent thousands and thousands of dollars on it. And it's old crappy hardware wrapped in gold. And when I think about the addition and its price and all these features, it does make me wonder if part of the features that they pile into a product that that's that's that expensive might not be upgrades might not be uh the a guarantee that for five years they will replace the internals that you'll be able to take it to an apple store and wait half an hour or wait an hour uh like you would take your watch in to be serviced at a at a high-end watch store maybe it's a maybe it's a day um, and come back and it will have new internals that they'll commit to to fitting the latest technology into that watch shape uh, for some period of time. It wouldn't, that would be very different and it seems untenable except when you, we realize we're talking about a, you know, whatever, two, five, ten thousand $10,000 piece of jewelry, uh, maybe that's one of the new ways Apple uh, addresses this market is with some sort of a guarantee against against obsolescence for some period of time. It wouldn't this they're going way off the book here. So it wouldn't surprise me for them to take it further and say, you know, you get you get concierge service and technical upgrades. And for at least five years, you know, we'll make sure that you've got the latest, uh, you know, latest uh, hardware updates on the inside of this thing. Uh, you know that's impractical to a point if they keep changing the look the look of the design. But um, you know maybe it's worth it to commit to finding a way to build something into this into this uh, enclosure or to swap it for a different one even uh, just to give them some guarantee because that's what worries me is you spend ten grand on something that's a family heirloom it's different from spending ten grand on something that's going to be completely outdated in a year or two. I think you could just swap it over, right? Like the 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 cost of them getting the gold back. Yeah, it could helps. it could be it could be that simple. Um although whether uh I don't know. I don't know. It depends on how personal people feel about it, but maybe maybe so. Um I I don't know. I I think there's something there. I think that if I if I was at Apple working on the Apple Watch, this would be one of the main discussions is the difference between a Rolex and the Apple watch is that the Rolex will do exactly what it does now in 50 years uh, because they're not going to change time, right? They're not going to add a 14th, 15th and 16th hour uh, in, in, in 2020, you know, they're not going to add a new number. None of those things is going to, going to happen. Watches are still going to work. Um, but uh, the Apple Watch is a piece of technology, and we know how those things go. So that that's you know I, I would have that high on my list of concerns for something with a high price tag like the Apple Watch Edition if I were at Apple. Do you remember when the original iPhone was released? Um, and it, how long was it for it until it shipped? Is it like six months? Oh, uh, they announced it. No, I wasn't it out in December, and they announced it in October. I think so. I think it was only a couple of months for the for the for the iPod. No, the original iPhone. Oh, iPhone. Yeah, that was six months. That was January to end of June, beginning of July. 
So six months. Between that time, everyone just spoke about what they thought the iPhone was going to be like and talking about, oh, imagine if this is the iPhone. That's the kind of stuff. That's what we have again. <laughs> yeah. We can spend the next six months just pontificating about Isn't it the great? watch edition. There's it's, just it's great. Limited, there's limited information. Some people know things that other people don't know. Everything sort of spread through whispers. Plenty of room for speculation. Yeah. We've got something to talk about. Hooray. Yeah. High five. <laughs> There's one last last thing that I dropped in the document today, and it's mm-hmm. not um, follow up per se, but it, it this felt like the best place to say it, and it was a tweet from our friend David Sparks, mm-hmm. um, and he's obviously referring to uh, the iOS eight episode of Mac Power Users, and his tweet was I th- I think I angered the entire internet by repeatedly saying Hey Siri on the podcast. Think we'll need a code word for future reference, and it made me think about how much power we have for anybody listening on like a loudspeaker yeah. or in an office or something could you say, Hey Siri. And then they're all just going to go off. So I don't know if you so maybe want to give it a when, go. When I was on, um, I think Mac break weekly, or it might've been twit a few weeks ago, we were talking about this and it was only when it was in beta. So the, the, the potential for down downfall was, was less, but yes, you have the ability because there's no way to train it to only respond to your voice or something. If you're if you've got this feature turned on in iOS eight and your iPhone is plugged in and listening to us, then I could say, "Hey Siri, send a text message to my mom saying I'm sorry for what I did." <laughs> yes, send it. It's really dangerous, and I don't. I don't think I like this feature. Also, I don't know if you're like husband and wife, and you both have iPhone sixes, and they're sitting next to each other, and somebody says, "Hey Siri," they're both going to fire off. It's crazy. I, I, yeah, I wonder about this feature. I turned it off immediately when I <laughs> because because I activated idea. it. And but the thing, I was watching a TV show, and it just randomly went off. Nobody said, "Hey Siri," it just fired off on yeah. its own. Um, I can't understand why you would want this if the iPhone doesn't do anything to try and learn your voice, which it doesn't appear like it does, or at least if it does, I haven't seen anybody mention it. Yeah, I, I like the idea of it being in in uh, in some environments where you might want to be. You know, you you can't press a button. You know, you're not you're you're really hands free, and you want to trigger off Siri. I, I I can see that, but yeah, you'd either want to be able to set a code word or have some other kind of uh, a, you know, voice recognition that matches you to a to a person. Right now, it's just kind of dangerous, and like I like I was saying, impractical. Because if you've got multiple devices that do this, then it's going to be a disaster. Every device is going to do the same thing, and you're going to have many series talking back to you, and it's crazy. I should try that sometime because I've got I've got three of these de- uh, devices right now. I should I should we could just line up like five iOS eight devices and plug them all in, and then see what happens when you say, "Hey Siri, that's bad. That's a bad idea." I got to do that. <laughs> so let's talk about the new iPhones a little bit. Um, so I received my iPhone Plus today, like an hour before I recorded. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't have a lot to say about it right now. Um, I have a few things. Um, it is really, really big. Yes. How, are you, like, how do your fingers fit with it, though? Not too badly. Your, your crazily, insanely long fingers. It is big. <laughs> this big. I think I can deal with it. I, I think I'm. I, 
I've not had enough time with it yet to get used to it, but I can hold it and I feel like I have a secure hold on it. I bought like this rubbery case from Amazon. So I had a case on day one because I ordered one of the Apple silicone cases, but it doesn't ship till October, which seems kind of a strange thing to do um, to, to, to have a phone. And I ordered them at the same time. So the cases couldn't have sold out faster than the phones. So I don't, didn't really understand what's going on there. But I'm going to go to an Apple store tomorrow and buy one of the leather cases and Apple Care Plus. I've never had Apple Care for a phone before, but I think I will drop this one. So I'm going hmm. to get that. Um, lots of people will probably ask for the the case that I bought. So I'll I'll make I'll make sure I put it in the show notes. It's one of these companies that I think always always takes a bet um, hmm. on the rumors, or you know, is one of the companies that pays a ridiculous amount. Spigen, S P I G E N. I've heard people say that these guys are always kind of there on Amazon on day one. Um, I bought like a clear kind of rubbery texture case. I like a case that gives me extra grip. Um, that's important <laughs> with this phone to have as much grip as possible. So uh, I'm probably going to get one of the leather cases and the silicone cases and just decide between which one I like the most. Um, um, I really like the uh, the. Uh, I've been trying the Apple leather case on the on the six, and it's nice. It's nicer than the five cases. I think the the Apple. Uh, five cases were kind of hard to put on and the leather one didn't feel like leather it was stretched so tightly and it was like not textured and it, it didn't feel like a leather case even though it was made of leather and the new one um, is much easier to get on and nicer and feels like leather and feels a little more grippy and uh, I, I've actually been enjoying trying it. and I don't usually wear a case uh, with my iPhone and I, I, I put it on and it's actually pretty nice it's funny that you talk about having the device and not the case because for me i always flash back to when the i want to say maybe the first ipad mini came out and i bought it and um i got a box from apple and i was very excited and it was the case it was like the smart the smart case or the smart cover and for like two weeks i had this thing that didn't attach to anything i just had this cover and it was just it was it was the worst like eventually these magnets will snap onto an apple product but now it's just a cover for nothing so that's worse believe me having the case and not the product that is the worst so aside from that i don't have a lot more to say like i've not used it nowhere near enough yeah oh no you need to take some time with it you really yeah you need to take some time with it but in, that, that's you got you've got to live with it and like do all of your things that are just uh, that come naturally that you don't even think about and and see where <laughs> they conflict with this new thing and then how you deal with that. So in a part, in a in a moment of uh, cross promotion, so uh, I'm recording connected tomorrow um, with me and Federico Vitici, mm-hmm. which is another Relay FM show at relay.fm slash connected. So I'm going to give myself. On that show, I will have had my first 24 hours. Um, and one thing that I'm going to do is not charge the phone. My, my plan is to not plug my phone in from the moment mm. I unplug it tomorrow and see how far I can go. Um, I think that would be, that be a really important test for me because one of the reasons of having this device is for the battery. So uh, I will have had it for a day at that point, if you think that one day is any better than an hour. Um, so you can tune into Connected and hear my thoughts mm. on the 6 Plus. Very nice. I look forward to that. How have your impressions changed, if at all, um, 
since the last time we spoke? Oh, uh, I don't know. Not not a lot. Um, I, I I mean, I like the six. I think I made the right choice there. I think the six plus is um, going to have its huge fans, and that that's great. And that a lot of people are going to say, "Wow, that's a really enormous phone." I'm not quite sure uh, about that. I, I I I like you know I like the six plus. I um. It, the battery life is amazing. The screen is amazing, uh, but it's huge, and so it's only going to be for some for some people. Beyond that, I, I guess all the time I spent at XOXO uh, did teach me uh, that I think the battery life. It's hard to gauge battery life. The battery life on the six feels better than on the five, although I'm using a one year old five S, so uh, that battery is degraded already because that's what happens with batteries: is you use them and they lose they lose life. Uh, but it, it seems better, and then the 6 Plus is that much better on top of that. better uh, It is more better, yeah. And you are use, and you mentioned this, are you using a case, right, on yours? Yeah, I'm just trying out the Apple the Apple other case, and, and uh, just, to, just to see, just so, honestly, just so I can write something about it to just sort of experience what these cases are like. And like I said, it feels... It feels better than the five cases. It was easier to put on, and it feels more like uh, an actual leather case, and it is grippy in a way. And the uh, the old leather cases were so stretched out, and 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 they didn't they feel they felt weird. I didn't like the Apple uh, cases on the five, but on the six, it seems pretty nice. And what phone did you buy? I bought the six in space gray uh, at the sixty four. So yeah, that was that was the one I bought. Uh, and I've got it, and it's great. It's nice to be back with the uh, with the black phone after a year with the. Uh, I got the gold last year. Uh, uh, it's nice. It's fine. Uh, but I like I like the my favorite iPhone maybe of all time was the black iPhone five. I loved the black iPhone five. It was just like Darth Vader's phone. Um, and this is not quite that, but although I've got the black uh, leather case on it, so the space gray you can't even see the space gray. It's just all black. It's the Spinal Tap um, phone. How much blacker could it be? None, none more black. The Black Five was the one that like really chipped up, wasn't it? Uh, and not for me, but yeah, apparently for people. Apparently, apparently it was. It it could show. It could show some some wounds, but um, you know, it, it didn't ever bother me. I I it it, it was great. I loved it. A black black phone as black as my heart. No, that's <laughs> not true. That's not true. My heart is much blacker than that. Anyway, apparently your uh, <laughs> your heart consists of six colors. Six colors. That's right. It is it is it is pumping six colors through. This is true. But we're going to get to that just after we take a moment to thank our second sponsor. Ah, excellent. Look at that for this week's episode, and that's our friends at Igloo. They are the internet you'll actually like. Igloo's intranet works on any mobile device, including these new iPhones, the 6 and the 6 Plus. 6 Plus. They've built their entire intranet platform with responsive design thought about throughout. So you can do anything from reading a document to sharing a photo of your lunch to administrative tasks like managing your settings within your intranet. Igloo's document preview engine is also fully HTML5 compatible. So if your teammate uploads a Word, Excel, or even JavaScript file, you can read it on your device without having to download the content or use a native app. It saves you storage and also makes sure that your team is working on the same version of a document. So if Bob ups, like updates 
an image in the PowerPoint that you're working on, it's going to stay in sync with everyone. Even new features like Igloo's task management system have been designed for speed and ease of use on your phone. You can quickly create a task in just a few taps and manage your task list from wherever you are. Best of all, because Igloo's platform is so customizable, when you design your Igloo to look like your company's brand, that design looks great and carries your brand onto every device. Make a change on desktop, it shows up on mobile instantly. It's a fast and fantastic way to create, share, and manage your work from wherever you choose to be. If you've used any corporate intranets like SharePoint, you're going to know just how incredible this is. The idea of being able to easily and quickly access your corporate intranet on your phone is quite a magical thing. Trust me on that. Igloo is free to use with up to 10 people, and you can sign up right now at igloosoftware.com slash upgrade. Thank you so much to Igloo for their support of Upgrade and all of RelayFM. Yay, Igloo. Hooray. I don't just like them. I love them. Mm. I, I have some real-time follow-up you're going to like. Okay, go for, go for it. Uh, this is from the uh, the uh, Upgrade Twitter account, which is underscore UpgradeFM. And uh, listener Leo writes, you almost sent a text to my mom with your Hey Siri joke. That brought podcast interaction to a whole new level. Wow, it worked. It, it's, uh, yeah. Oh, Jason, yeah. you may have done both an amazing and terrible thing. <laughs> it's not me. It's Apple. Apple does this thing. It's a bad idea. We were just anyway. doing some theater. It's theater. I know. I know. It's just podcasting theater. That's what it is. So I'm sometimes known for my uh, interviewing skills. Yes, will you allow me to to conduct a mini interview? In you, the yeah, what show? you what you like to be known for <laughs> are your interviewing skills. Well, now, I mean, you were one of my favorite guests on Command Space and Inquisitive, and I can't do it anymore. You, nope. you, you can no longer be a guest on my show. So I retired. I have to do it here. All right. So we didn't talk about six colors at all last week. No, I wasn't sure whether it would be up by the time the uh, the podcast posted, so I didn't <laughs> want to commit. I I did mention that I that uh, the old saying about bleeding six colors, but I didn't actually say that that was my site. That was like a little Easter egg. That was a nice nod. Yeah, I like that. I had a big smile on my face when you said it. <laughs> so I want I want to talk about I want to talk about not just six colors, but the the shift in your day to day life. Oh yeah. So. This has been your first week ever as an independent writer, right? Yeah, it's day four. Day four now, essentially, my work day. Day four of working in my in my garage, uh, doing this as my job. Yeah, how's it been? Yeah, <laughs> well, it's been a crazy couple of weeks. That's the thing is that is that we had the Apple event, uh, then the IDG layoff, and then. I uh, very rapidly was like doing. Uh, well, then I was writing my iPhone review, and uh, and 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 we we did our first episode, and I went to XOXO, and I finished my iPhone review, and I came home, um, and the iPhone embargoes dropped, and I launched the website, and that, and then I had you know three days where I was sort of like doing things with the website, writing articles, fixing things in the HTML, and all of that. So. It's it's too early to tell because this is literally like day four of what you know would be considered a normal day for me. It's been a lot of fun though. I, I you know 
I, I've said in a few places and on my statement when I left Macworld that, you know, it had been a tough couple of years. I hadn't really been happy uh, and I hadn't been doing the things that I really loved uh, at the job. And I can say that so far. I get out of bed in the morning and I have none of those feelings of like, oh, God, I, you know, I, 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 I got to get I got to grip my teeth. I got to get get through this. I got it's another day. I got to go into the office. And that's just gone. That those feelings are gone now. You know, give give it a few weeks, and we'll see if they come back. And like, oh, I can't believe I got to go to the garage now and start working. But for now, it's just sort of a glee of like, I get to, I get to go out and 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 work and write things and find links and talk to people on the internet and do podcasts. And I'm I'm excited about that. But I, I'm you know I'm still trying to find a rhythm and a schedule that works for me and. Um, it's, it's, it's a brand new thing. So I'm going to learn a lot uh, about what to do and what not to do. And a lot of this is experimental and exploratory right now. Cause it's, you know, it's day four. It's, it's, uh, you know, it's, it, this is the first full week of me doing this. Um, so we'll see, we'll see how it goes. I, I'm going to, I'm going to learn a lot. I, I, I'm just open to the fact that I'm going to learn things that, uh, I are completely unexpected of like, oh, turns out this sort of thing is good. And this sort of thing I should never, ever, ever do. <laughs> and I look forward to that. What's it been like to get back into writing every day? Because I think I can probably assume that you weren't writing every day, um, when you were at IDG, I assume you were also doing a lot of administrative work and meetings and like planning and things like that. Yeah, I was, I kept the Apple articles and occasionally I would write other stories just to keep myself sane. But most of my job was meetings and talking to other editors. And the way I phrased it, I think when I announced my departure was I was managing the people who managed the people who managed the people who wrote articles. And that was just, you know, and even when I was EIC at, uh, at Macworld, I was doing a lot less of this, that stuff than, um, because I was managing and, and, and it's not just managing it's also that there were other people there to do those things. So like, I don't have any on six colors. I don't have any comprehensive iOS eight coverage right now. And the number one reason for that is that this has been a crazy couple of weeks and I had to do the iPhone review and prioritize that. But number two reason is Dan Morin wrote that review for Macworld, And so I've spent, you know, I, that was a delegation thing. That was, that was Dan's going to do that. And so, um, you know, when you sound surrounded by talented people like that, you end up, um, not writing articles because you can't write all the articles and because you've got great people to write those articles anyway. And so, yeah, you end up becoming uh, removed from the writing part of it. And that was, uh, that didn't make me happy because I like writing. I like editing too. And that's something I'm not doing right now because I'm just writing for myself. But um, it's nice to get back to writing and, uh, and to spread out a little bit in terms of the voice and have it be me because a lot of the stuff that I wrote, I could seep through, but it was also Macworld saying this this thing. And um, I'm trying to establish Six Colors as being me. And I've got some guest writers who've come in already. Dan Frakes and Dan Warren both wrote something last week. But it is, it, it's my place, and I want my interests and personality to come through. Because when I look at sites like Daring Fireball and The Loop... Um, John Gruber and Jim Dalrymple, their personalities come through there. And I think one of the reasons people like those sites who read those sites is because they're reading a person uh, and, and including their quirks and interests um, rather than having it be totally flat. So it's been fun. It's been fun. But I, I, I totally recognize that I, I've got a lot more to learn about how to do this. 
you say about the sort of the personal aspect, I'm I'm assuming that when you ever did write things at Macworld or TechHive, that you had to conform to the style guide in in a way. Um, sure, I- and some sometimes you internalize that. I mean, I'm sure I could have ignored it. <laughs> and gotten away with it. Yeah. But you internalize it and you and you think to yourself, I'm doing this under the banner of Macworld and I need to follow the I you know, and I, sometimes I would leave out uh strange weird references because I just figured nobody needed to see that or they would take it out anyway. Sometimes I'd leave them in and then an editor would take them out. And uh that's been one of the pleasures of the last week is putting those references in and they just are there. And people can take them or leave them, but I I've done I've 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 had a few of those. Uh, there's I, I think I did a yeah I've done a couple of those little jokes and things and I th- I think that's fun and it adds to it. But it, those are not necessarily things I would have done in MacWorld. And you mentioned about your own personality coming through in the things that you write about. I mean, obviously people know that you are a big fan of pop culture stuff. You yeah. know, they see that with your work at The Incomparable. Will you be writing about these things at Six Colors or is this, are we going to see other aspects of your, te- of your sort of personality here? I, uh, I, want, I, I want some of that to come through at Six Colors. Um, but what I, what I especially at first want to do is establish that I am writing about technology and I'm writing about Apple. Um, and I will also write about other stuff. In fact, the first post that I did was a, before the site launched as a test was a link post about this Smithsonian Magazine article about the uh, original Star Trek uh, USS Enterprise model being refurbished. So I, I do intend for some of that to be in there, but I, I also don't want to turn it into a, a, a link blog of sci-fi links because I, I, I want to... I want to cater to the audience that that you know cares about the tech stuff too, and maybe also cares about that. And I I don't want to send the wrong signal early on that this is going to be uh, super nerdy, you know, sci-fi links with the occasional Apple post because uh, I I just I feel like that's the wrong balance. But I have to find that balance. I mean, I made the decision not to turn the incomparable into a pop culture and technology podcast network and do my own podcasts about technology there i i instead i talk to you and we're going to do clockwise and and this show here at at relay um because i i I thought it was a different audience and a different kind of thing and i i kind of wanted a little separation six colors is different and i don't know quite where it's going to go um i'd like to write about the geekier stuff there a little bit too and let my my love of that stuff show through but right now, I kind of feel like I'm taking it easy, uh, we'll, and we'll see how it goes. I just don't want to go overboard with it. How long have your days been so far? Are you working one hour, uh, 25 hours? Like- <laughs> well, this this has been a, a weird week because of all the, all the travel and the embargo and things like that. I try to do... And this is what my wife and I have been talking about is how do you set up a schedule for something like this? Um, cause ultimately, you know, we'd like to be able to plan out sort of like, when am I going, when am I, you know, going in and starting work and when am I finishing? And, and I already had, um, some issues with that because I would come home from the office and do the incomparable. So I was working evenings doing the incomparable already. Um, so we're still working it out. I, ideally, you know, I get up, I, I get up, in the morning, the kids are getting ready to go to school. I make a pot of tea. Um, the kids are rushing out the door. At some point between seven and eight, I am going into the garage and starting starting to work. And uh, and then in the in the evening, at some point, I come back. I emerge um, and I try. I'm trying to find time 
uh, to do that. And also I will leave in the afternoon to pick up my kids at school and things like that if I, if I need to. So I'm still trying to explore it depending on what's going on with the incomparable. Sometimes there are, there are long, long evenings, but, um, you know, it's still settling down too. Like I'm still making changes to the site, like Facebook tags and RSS tags and accessibility CSS and things like that, that, um, I just need to do because I'm building the site and the site templates from scratch more or less, which is fun, but that's also like site maintenance that I imagine will become less of an issue going forward. But right now it's an issue because the site's brand new. So balancing the time of like writing versus, um, versus posting links versus updating templates versus emailing people um, is all in there too. What have been some of the other challenges you faced this week? Uh, I don't know. I mean, we've, we've sort of talked about it. it. It's it's trying to find a balance, trying to figure out um, what to write and what not to write, what, what constitutes a story and what doesn't, what constitutes a link and what doesn't, what should I be linking to? How do I do that? Um, I have a whole list of stories of things I want to write, but there's a question of, are those 300-word stories? Are those 1,000-word stories? How do I balance out the topics? What are people interested in reading? Um, a big one for me, and I'm going to write about this because it's a big one for me, is is finding links in RSS because um, doing this job on my own, I need to be tied in with lots of sites that have interesting things that I might want to link to. And I don't use RSS. <laughs> huh. This is this is a problem. Most of the links I get are from Twitter, and I actually posted a couple of links today, both of which came from Twitter. But I realize that I probably need to do some more curation directly within RSS. And I I kind of declared, I didn't even declare RSS bankruptcy. I like foreclosed on RSS, and they 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 knocked over the house, and there's just an empty lot there now. And now I'm saying, all right, maybe I actually need to. Uh, put in some effort to curate those sources uh, for links so that Six Colors can have some good, interesting links. And it's not just literally me posting links that I read on Daring Fireball because that would be a really crappy site. Uh, because Daring, Not because those links are bad, but because there's already a site that does that. So that's something I'm grappling with is trying to figure out, and I'm going to write about it eventually. There's the different feed providers and they're the different clients. And I'm literally a babe in the woods. You know, Net Newswire 3 was sort of my end with RSS. So um, things are different now and I'm going to have to figure that one out. So that's something I'm grappling with is, is, uh, I had people who collected links for me before sort of, and that's sort of my job now. And I need to, I need to, I need to figure out a strategy there. Do you want to know something quite interesting? This is, I think this is, this is actually extremely ironic. So I gave up on RSS about six, maybe six months ago. Um, I just couldn't do it anymore and I didn't want to I subscribed to way too many feeds and you know it's just it's getting too much uh then we started doing this show and sort of thinking about what my role is on this show and and finding the things that we talk about I thought I I can't miss any of Jason's articles um I, like I can't miss them. I have to see them because you, you it's, do. It's, that's it's, true. This is true of everybody, but well, especially I mean, yes. of you. But especially, <laughs> I figure one of my key jobs is to read the stuff that you post because right. that will form a lot of what we talk about on this sure. show. So I've started using RSS again because of you. Oh, well, see, I'm right there with you. I'm right but there with you. It's a challenge. I've subscribed to like 15 
maximum feeds. I don't think it's that many. Yeah. And like, I'm also finding it better. I'm pleased I've done it because it's helping me with the other shows as well. So like, I'm read. I'm making sure that now I read everything that Federico writes and everything that Stephen writes because I just followed their accounts on Twitter, like right. for their sites. But I would miss things or I would just scan through them. But now I'm actively reading them all. And um, when I was away last week, I used Instapaper to send a bunch of those articles to my Kindle. And I was reading, every, I read oh. Federico's fantastic um, iOS 8 review on the Kindle. I'm quite happy with the decision. To do all right. That. Good. Good. Well, that's that's something I'm I'm working toward now is I need to, I, that's actually one of those workflow things is I need to make time to read um, and find ways to find interesting things to read to so that I know what people are talking about and thinking about and that that can inform me and that's part of my you know that's part of my challenge too just having building up that um, uh, ways to collect that stuff any high points from the week anything specific that that jumps out to you as like a big big check well, as somebody who's who's started a new website, getting um, like I said, having Neela post that article on the on the Verge after I launched Six Colors with a prominent link in an editor's note at the top of it to Six Colors, uh, and seeing that drive traffic was great because you've got to start. You know, it doesn't matter if people know you. A new domain with nothing on it is nobody goes there. It's zero. It starts with zero traffic, and it is hard to build an audience for something new. And so that was great. And then John Gruber, um, late in the week, linked to me um, from Daring Fireball, and that was fantastic. And again, you know, you got you start from zero. Any exposure you can get where people can say, "Oh, this exists," and then maybe I want to read that uh, is uh, is a huge deal because you you are no matter who you are and where you come from, that site that you launch starts with zero traffic and zero page rank on Google and nobody knows the name and nobody knows anything about it existing and it's in no bookmarks and it's in no RSS readers. So uh, getting people to link. Um, oh, also I should mention tech meme. Um, my, my notes story about the review I wrote for Macworld got linked on tech meme on the day that the site launched so the site had been up for about an hour and I was on tech memes front page with Jason Snell, six colors. And I don't know if it's that Gabe Rivera or somebody else, a tech meme. I don't know how that happened, but uh, that was also awesome because really at this point I'm trying to uh, find an audience and remind people who might know me from somewhere else that this is what I'm doing now and just get in, you know, get in people's feed readers and on their bookmarks and in their Twitter feeds um, so those were all huge for the first week. I, I'd say those are the high points is people with um, great audiences linking uh, to me and saying this thing exists now. Were you worried? Like, you know, and, and I don't mean this in like a, a jokey way, but you are still Jason Snell. Um, <laughs> yes, as as ever, you know, like so that does it does help, right? To, Been to, that way for a while now, like exactly. forty three years or so. Yeah, <laughs> what, what did you have concern? You know, did you think? I love the past tense of this. I have concern. I have ongoing concern. Okay, <laughs> I mean, that people uh, wouldn't find you, or that that, that the site wouldn't go. Well, like, you know, it, it's. I've just. I've seen it. I've seen this happen before where, you know, just because 
uh, it, it's just it's easy to lose track of people and and starting websites having started started some websites uh, for IDG uh, starting websites is hard people don't know they exist I still have people I, there was a guy on Twitter yesterday who who said I didn't realize that you were doing all these other other uh, podcasts at the incomparable I thought ju- you were just doing the incomparable it's like I don't know how many different ways I could have communicated that and yet he just completely missed it until yesterday and so you know you can you can lay your plans and publicize and all of those things but the fact is any transition you're going to lose people and potentially a lot of people so you you you've got to try to be as diligent as possible to communicate that and 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 you know honestly it would have been much easier on me if i could have gone to xoxo after the layoff and not worked on an iPhone review there, and then come home afterward, not having worked on an iPhone review or or launched a website, and taken some time to deal with some of my burnout of my couple years at IDG that have been the rougher years, and to spend some more time with my family, and to read some books, and to just decompress a little bit. And I didn't do that. In, in, in fact, I was home from XOXO for a good two hours and I had launched a brand new website. <laughs> and why did I do that? I did that because of the timing, because the iPhone release, the fact I had the iPhones in advance, we were doing our podcast, all of these things lined up. It was an opportunity for me to expose um, the, the new stuff I was doing to an audience that uh, was going to be paying attention at that moment. And if I let that moment go, I might never get that audience again. And so I had to do it. So I did it. And it might not be what I would have chosen, but given the cards I was dealt, I think it was the thing I needed to do because you risk just being lost in the shuffle. There are a lot of voices out there and, uh, and momentum and, you know, inertia is a, is a powerful force. It's just like, I've been reading these sites. I'll continue to read these sites. And so to make some noise and I've been very happy. People have said very nice things and people have linked to me and that's actually been amazing. I'm really grateful that people have been so nice. Um, but I, I felt like I needed to take those steps and not just take a break and not do anything for a few weeks because the timing was too good. And I, you know, I risked, um, giving away that audience and maybe never finding it again. What's it been like working without an editor? I'm assuming that you, well, you mentioned it actually, that you worked with editors when you wrote pieces at Macworld. I'm assuming you don't have an editor now. It's just you. It's just me. Um, well, I, we all have an editor. It's the internet. And, and many of us have Chris Pepper as an editor. If you don't know Chris Pepper, he's a guy. I've had pizza with him in New York. He is an obsessive reader of tech stuff. He saves it all to Instapaper and reads it. And then he finds mistakes and emails them to you, which we refer to as getting peppered. Um, and he, <laughs> Who's and me? I was, I was, oh, uh, everybody who works at Macworld, everybody who works at Tidbits, Chris, Chris gets around. Um, but I got peppered on my first day. At six colors, and that was I was honored to be peppered, and I do read, you know, I spell check everything, and I read everything in preview, and then you post it, and then there are things that are wrong, and you have to change them, and uh, that's that's different because I I did like running doing a sanity check on articles at MacWorld where it was literally literally like here's a preview URL, can you give this a read before I push it live? And I don't have that now, so I'm trying to spend a little more time with it. But they're going to be errors because I'm just a guy, you know. I I always send IMs to Gruber when he posts things where there's a uh, if I see a mistake or or he's got a bad markdown link or something, I'll just send him an IM saying you know 
I, I noticed this and he fixes it and says thanks and it doesn't happen that often but it happens it happens to all of us so it's different uh and i'm trying to pay i'm adding cycles to it it used to be i just paste it in and say hey somebody look at this and now i you know i paste it in and then i read it in the in the in the editor and then i preview it and i read it in the web browser and then i post it and then there's an amazing thing that happens which is as soon as the story is live even though you were previewing it in the template all along as soon as it's live then you see all the mistakes as soon as it's live so that's been that's been different but it's fine it's fine i've been i've been pretty comfortable writing um stuff i don't feel like i i my stuff needs a major overhaul or anything and i think people are seeing on six colors that you know this is what i sound like and it's i've sounded like this for a while now i just i'm a pretty good speller so (laughs) but there will be mistakes and that's going to be weird do you know if chris pepper is at repep on twitter that's him found him yes it's pepper backward on twitter oh yeah of course yeah repep uh and that's that's yes he is the internet's uh, copy editor. <laughs> How's the reception been, like in general? I, I'm like, assuming like you've I said, received lots of emails pe- and stuff. People, people have been very kind. I've received lots of emails. I got a lot of emails when I left MacWorld, and then I got another batch with six colors where people said, "I'm glad you're doing this." So, yeah, I felt bad about MacWorld. I like reading your stuff. I'm looking forward to it, and it's all very kind. And I hope I can live up to their expectations for me. But um, it's all been very nice. I have not yet uh, had my first negative interaction where somebody says something absolutely awful about something I've written, or calls me a name, or says something about. Uh, I, I had that for my for my temporary site for the the Snell World. Just my announcement. There's somebody was a jerk about that site, but uh, you know it's coming, and that'll then I'll know I've truly, well and truly made it when somebody's a jerk about something that I, I've written. Um, but it hasn't happened yet. People have been very nice. So it's ironically it was a guy a guy who said, "Well, no wonder MacWorld went out of business when Jason Snell's personal site isn't responsive and doesn't load properly on an iPhone." I and, saw that. And yeah. That was great because one, uh, oh, if I had any control over what the MacWorld website looked like <laughs> or any influence over it whatsoever, uh, when there was a large technical organization running it, and I, yeah, not 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 my not my part of the business. All I could do was try to encourage them but i was very limited and then the real irony is that the reason that snellworld.com wasn't responsive is because i was busy building all the six color stuff to be responsive and i didn't backport it to snellworld because i was busy building my new thing and hadn't thought about the fact that i needed to move the css back because it's on the same templates basically and so then that guy was a jerk and i told him he was a jerk and then i made it responsive so yeah thanks jerk in in his (laughs) face right yeah yeah yeah, but the the connection was just being that that was why he was a jerk. It's not that he was wrong that the the site should have been uh, better on the iPhone. He was he was wrong because he was making lots of connections that are not accurate to make a jerky point and be insulting. So you know that's why he was a jerk. But he was he was right that the site should have been responsive, and like five minutes later, it was. You bought the correct URL this week. Congratulations. Uh, <laughs> So so yes, yeah, six colors is spelled out, and and somebody was asking in the chat room if I if I looked at the numeral six colors, and uh, I did. It, I think it cost like fifteen hundred bucks, so I, I I haven't bought it, but I did buy six colors with uh, color spelled with a U. dot com. 
I didn't buy sixcolors.co.uk or anything like that, but I did buy S-I-X-C-O-L-O-U-R-S.com and it redirects to the correct spelling with, without the U. I have hopes in the future of creating a site that dynamically um, loads the existing six color site and replaces all of the words with Britishisms. And I'll let you know if that happens. I can't even. (laughs) I'm sure. And there there may be flags and and pictures of the queen and things put in there too at that point. But right now it just redirects to the, to the regular six color site. I did it for you, Mike. Thank you. Thank you. You know, I was thinking about just buying you the domain, like starting <laughs> start like a Kickstarter or something and getting you the domain. Uh, but so thank you so much for, uh, for, for basically because it, it, I feel like it was done for me because I kept typing the URL incorrectly. Like that was mm-hmm. a, a big thing. And so it's, I guess, it's, you know, I'm going to say it was good for you too, right? Because sure, it, it means that people that, you know, people in... people bookmark people bookmark things. I don't think people type out URLs very often, but that was that seemed like a natural. And if I could buy uh, the numeral six domains uh, cheaply, I would probably do that too. But last time I checked, I think they were really pricey, um, and I didn't think it was worth the money. But sixcolors.com wasn't that expensive with the U, and so so yeah, there it is, Rural Britannia, USA, USA. We are all we're all coming together. And you're really gunning for me now with this podcast stuff. You've got, uh, you, you have another one. There are lots of podcasts out there, and I'm not the only person who is on lots of podcasts. I, I, I'm somebody who's on lots of podcasts, but so are you, and there are others. But yeah, I, I, one of the things I wanted to do when I made this decision to leave was do some dust some things off that were podcasts that I wanted to do and didn't have the time. And so one of those was to do a tech podcast, uh, and that's this one. And one of those was I know the guy who's the chief TV critic at The Hollywood Reporter, and he's really good on podcasts, but he's not uh, technically adept enough to do the produce the podcast himself. He needs somebody to help him with that, and that's Tim Goodman. And so uh, we're now doing a TV podcast together where, like, every Friday we're going to do a recording session, and I'll, I'll edit it and post it, and sort of like what you're doing with me. Um, and that was on my list, and it's really his show um, that I'm sort of the conductor of, sort of like how we work on this show. Um, but I wanted to get his voice out there, and, and uh, now I've got the time uh, to do that that I didn't really have when I was working during the day in San Francisco because his time was limited and my time was limited and we couldn't find common times. So, so yeah, I'm doing, you know, I'm still doing stuff on The Incomparable, and then I'm doing uh, the two podcasts on uh, on Relay. That's, that's, that's about the end of my interview. Oh, what do you like to be known for? No. no ask me later okay. ask me later it's too early you already asked me that once this year you don't get to ask me again for a while it's pretty different for you now though yeah yeah what do i like to be known for i don't know am i known for anything uh known for writing things and podcasting that people like hopefully known for the world domination of all podcasts i swear i'm not going to be on every podcast ever this was a very weird week i've had people say you're on every podcast right now yes but in the end, I will only be on the podcast that I'm on and not like every other podcast. In that world. goes in cycles for people, though. Yeah. Like when uh, Overcast came out, Marco was on every podcast. You know, people have specific news right. and, and that right. brings them to, to podcasts. And it also makes people more inclined to want to be on them. Well, and so. I want, I, I do want people to also think of me and visit my site. So I'm doing a little bit, it's all, a little bit like a book tour in that way. Um, I am talking to. 
um, Leo Laporte about being on his shows a little more often because I have the time now and it's a half an hour drive. The Twit studios are half an hour from my house. So um, I'm I'm hopefully going to be on Twit and MacBreak Weekly a little more often. But uh yeah, I this is this is what I'm doing is is I I I some people were like, "Oh, so now you're going to just do podcasts or so now you're just going to do writing." And neither of those is accurate. My my goal right now and again, this may change. My goal is to do um tech writing and tech podcasting and pop culture podcasting as all of those things as as those are the things I do and from that hopefully fashion some sort of a career that allows me to pay my mortgage payment and feed my kids and stuff like that and we'll see how it goes there was a very brief moment there where I thought you were saying you wanted to do fashion writing no he's <laughs> like and fashion and a career. A career, like, oh, yes. Okay. All right, we're, fashion. Going, we're going down that route now. I'm not going to do fashion writing. I'm going to do fashion designing. And you can just stay tuned for my fall collection. I, I will give you a hint, though. How many colors do you think will be in the collection? Seven. <laughs> yes, infrared is one of the colors. And anyway, yeah, that's that, so that's my idea is, you know, podcasts, videos, writing, see what this is the 21st century you know media is a different world now and if i can find a way to make this all work you know we we we've talked about it before you know your goal is to is to do this as your job and that that's sort of been my goal and i'm already at the point where i don't have that other job and that mm-hmm. was sort of not my it was my direction but ultimately the the date and day of it were not my decision but uh, i welcome it and I, so i'm on that side now of trying to make it work and we'll see what happens if you would like to catch the show notes for this week's episode of Upgrade, then you want to go to relay.fm slash upgrade slash two. This show records live every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific time, which is 3 p.m. Eastern time and 7 p.m. GMT. We are at underscore upgrade FM on Twitter. If you want to get in contact with us, you can also email us by going to relay.fm slash upgrade and you can hit the contact button and it will send us a lovely email. Well, it will send Jason a lovely email. Uh, if you would like to catch up with us personally, Jason is at jsnell on Twitter and I'm at imike, I-M-Y-K-E. And don't forget sixcolors.com for all of Jason's fantastic writing all throughout the week and the weekends too, maybe sometimes. Weekends too? Do you work weekends now? Uh, well, I'm still trying to figure, I'm trying to have some life work balance, but I've been putting some links up on the weekend of various things. I should mention also our theme song is brought to you by the, uh, the lovely and talented podcast composer extraordinaire, Mr. Christopher Breen. So thank you to Chris for doing the theme song. I love the flavor of the incomparable in there. I can feel it. It's good. Well, it's, it's that Breen magic that Uh comes with podcast themes from Breen. Yeah. Themes from Breen. Yep, the Breen themes. Coming soon to iTunes. Breen themes. We'll be back next week. Thank you so much for listening. Bye-bye. Bye, everybody. <laughs>